grace is greater. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, grace is greater. Grace is powerful enough to erase your guilt. Grace is big enough to cover your shame. Grace is real enough to heal your relationships. Grace is strong enough to hold you up when you're weak. Grace is sweet enough to cure your bitterness. Grace is satisfying enough to deal with your disappointment. Grace is beautiful enough to redeem your brokenness. Grace is always greater, no matter what. Well, here we are. It's week five, the final week of Grace is Greater. It's amazing. It's gone quickly. And today we're going to be talking about your favorite subject and mine, our weakness. Yes, it's great. We recognize our weakness. Um, we're going to be eventually in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and turn to that. Um, we're going to get through a lot of other things before we get to that main passage, though. Um, when we talk about our weakness, I'm not talking about something like, oh, my weakness is sweets, right? You know, or my weakness is potato chips, which, by the way, happens to be a weakness of mine. But we're talking about something that, like, has really uh, sidelined us, something that has stopped us, something that has kept us um, from doing what we think we're supposed to be doing or, or whatever, um, something that just is large, something that we wish was different. But what if, what if our weaknesses are opportunities for God to meet us in that very spot? Where we stop relying on ourselves and we look to God and God's strength begins to change things. What if it's an opportunity not only for us to grow, but for positive impact to happen in the world and for God to receive glory? What if God wants to meet you right there in that weakness and do something amazing? How might God be working in and through your life in spite of or maybe because of a weakness that you face. Today we're going to look at five true stories, ask one question, and then have a very practical illustration. But before we do that, I'd like for us to just pause and pray. God, open our hearts and our minds to the truth that you have for each of us today. Holy Spirit, would you move us to love you, and to love those around us with both words and action. Through Jesus we pray, amen. <clears throat> well, five stories. The first story is about a man named Roy Campanella. He was a Major League Baseball player. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers and uh, was more than once voted their team's MVP. In 1955, he got a World Series ring playing with them. But in 1958, he had a very serious, he was in a very serious car accident that left him a quadriplegic. In his long recovery, he was at one facility for days and days and days and days and days, months. And one day, as he was being pushed through the hall, he saw a plaque on the wall and he stopped. And this is what it said. 
I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. I am, among all people, most richly blessed. Roy said that that plaque resonated with him because he felt like it was telling his story. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. The theme of God providing strength continues in our second story. It's about Samson from the Old Testament book of Judges. And Samson was incredibly strong, but he had a secret that if it was discovered, would make him weak. And we're going to read Samson's story, summarizing Judges 14 through 16, in uh, the story for children. Once again, the people lost their way and worshipped idols, forgetting what God had done for them. So God allowed the Philistines to control the Israelites. Then the people cried out to God to forgive them and save them from their enemy. God answered their cries for help and sent a powerful man named Samson to help them fight the Philistines. Samson had a special gift from God. He was blessed with great strength. Once he fought a roaring lion with his bare hands, and he won. Samson killed many Philistines all by himself. We have to find a way to get rid of him, the Philistines plotted. Samson was madly in love with Delilah. Delilah only pretended to love Samson because the Philistines promised her money if she discovered what made Samson so strong. Delilah tried to trick Samson into telling the secret of his strength. Samson knew he should not tell a secret to anyone, so he tried to trick Delilah too. First he told her that being tied with, with leather straps would weaken him enough to be captured. The Philistines tried it. It didn't work. Samson broke the leather straps as if they were made of air. Delilah tried again. If you really love me, you will tell me your secret, she said. Samson made up another story. I'll lose my power if someone ties me with new ropes. While Samson slept, Delilah tied him up. Again, the Philistines tried to capture him, but Samson snapped the ropes like tiny threads. Delilah really wanted that money, so she said, You lied. If you love me, tell me your secret. Samson could not stand her nagging anymore. Finally, he gave in and told Delilah the secret of his strength. It's my hair. It's never been cut. If someone shaved my head, I would lose my strength and be as weak as any other man. Delilah waited for Samson to fall asleep. Then she cut his hair. When the Philistines came, Samson couldn't fight them off. The Philistines treated him badly, blinding him and putting him in jail. One day, the Philistine rulers brought Samson to the temple to show off their prized prisoner. They chained him to two temple pillars. They bragged and made fun of the once powerful Israelite. Samson prayed and asked God to give him strength just one more time so he could defeat the Philistines. God listened and answered Samson's prayer. Then Samson pushed on the pillars with all his might, and the temple came crashing down. All the Philistines were killed. Samson died too, but he was remembered as a man of great power who knew his strength came from the Lord. It's interesting that Samson 
used this great strength, this gift of God for his own purposes. He, he wanted to be known as a powerful man to bring attention to himself, to have favor among the people, and honestly, to win the pretty girl. We have to be honest, there are times when we use the gifts that God has given us to build our own little kingdoms rather than the kingdom of God. But Samson's life illustrates an important principle that when we try to do things in our own strength, we usually mess things up. But when we rely on God to work even in our weakness, then God does things that we could not do on our own. Samson's enemies were ultimately defeated not because of his strength, but because of God's strength working through his weakness. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Now, don't misunderstand. God is not asking you to rain down judgment on people so that they die. Okay? That's not the point. In fact, God wants us to do the opposite. He wants us to rain down his grace and his power on people so that they would live. Story number three is from the Grace is Greater book, and in it, Kyle Eidelman writes this. I recently heard about an artist named Phil Hansen. His art has inspired millions of people. He worked toward becoming an expert in pointillism, a technique that uses small, tiny dots to form an image. Years of tediously making these tiny, distinct dots led to permanent nerve damage, making it impossible for him to hold his hands steady. Suddenly, Phil's signature ability became his signature disability. He quit art for a while, but his neurologist said something that stuck with him. Why don't you just embrace the shake? Phil started experimenting with art again, and the most incredible thing happened. The shake that he thought had destroyed his artistic ability inspired his most powerful work. Phil realized that what he thought were limitations became a catalyst for greater creativity. Phil Hansen had a weakness, but it became a strength. Maybe God is encouraging you to embrace the shake and allow God to work in and through your weakness. Now, obviously, we're not talking about, talking about embracing a sinful lifestyle, but maybe the weakness that frustrates you could be turned into something beneficial because of God's power. See, the thing that's stopping us is quite likely the very place that God wants to start working. Philippians 4.13 reminds us, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And the person that penned those words is the subject of story number four. His name is Paul he was a follower of Jesus who wrote almost half of the New Testament. And Paul was incredibly devoted, but he was imperfect, just like all of us. And before he met Jesus, Paul did religious acts that made him look good and tried to earn God's favor. Years after meeting Jesus in a supernatural way, Paul tells of another supernatural experience, and we read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you, so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak then I am strong. Paul's talking about himself and this remarkable experience that he had with God. And again, before he met Jesus, he would have boasted about this experience. He would have talked about how God chose him and not you and about how special he was. Before he met Jesus, Paul focused on the law and religious actions, but after meeting Jesus, he focuses on grace and God's actions. And now Paul boasts not about his strengths, but about his weaknesses, and he boasts about God. The reality is, even as Christians, we have a tendency to want to tell good things about ourselves, maybe to brag. But it is interesting, we've sometimes figured out how to, how to sound humble while doing that. Like, for example, we'll say, you know, I think one of my weaknesses is that I, I strive for perfection too much. Or, you know, I sometimes get into trouble with my own finances because I just have this huge heart of generosity and I'm always wanting to give things to people. So we we can even do that. But it's funny, we, we don't have the tendency to talk about our weaknesses, right? I mean, who does that? Well, followers of Jesus do that. Christians brag about our weaknesses so we can brag about God's power. And that brings us to our final story. It's your story. What is your story as it relates to this? I mean, I know you're facing a weakness. I face many of them. And maybe you've been pleading with God like Paul did. Lord, would you just take this away? Would you change this? Would you, would you work to, to get rid of this challenge? Would you just fix this broken relationship? Would you take away my illness? Is there some barrier, your personal thorn in the flesh that you may be facing? But maybe part of your story is to believe what God said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 
and you need to trust me. See, God doesn't always work the way we expect or would like for God to do that, and grace isn't always what we want, but it's always what we need. The word that we translate grace is the Greek word charis, which means gift. And that's what grace is. It's God's gift to you. Kyle Eidelman's book about grace is 10 chapters long. God's book about grace is almost 1,200 chapters long. Because you see, the whole Bible is about God's story of grace. Because grace can be defined as God working in the world. It's God's gift, his activity in life. Through God's grace, everything that we know exists. The universe was created by our God. Our very lives were formed by God and made in his image. Because of grace, we're able to breathe We have the ability to reason, to grow, to learn. Because of God's grace, we have food, we have jobs, a place to live, education. Generally, most of us have good health. And even when we don't, God provides the grace for us to get through that. See, God's grace transforms some things in our lives. He he comes in and just actively does miraculous things that can't be explained any other way. And Paul saw plenty of examples of that. But sometimes God's grace isn't to change our circumstances, it's to change our hearts. God's grace is to meet us right where we are. And help us learn to be content and to lean on him and not our own strength. See, God is active and he's able to work all things, all things together for good. Well, most scholars agree that the, that the ultimate expression of God's grace is Jesus giving his life on the cross, which allows us to exchange our death for his life and gives us the opportunity to be saved, to be in relationship with God here and forever in heaven. So that's the ultimate expression of God's grace. But the most observable expression of God's grace might just be you. You might be the most visible expression of God's grace on this earth to the people who are around you. And when they see your life and they see Jesus working in you, then God receives honor. We think of the disciples um, as powerful people. We think of, of Peter and John, for example, as these guys who were just bold in their faith. And at times they were. There's a really interesting verse, Acts 4.13. It's talking about the people who see Peter and John and their boldness for Jesus. And it says, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized they had been with Jesus. In other words, what was the thing that they noticed? It wasn't their education. 
It wasn't their training. It wasn't their own strength. They said something has been active in these men's lives, and that thing is Jesus. That person is Jesus. And that brings us to our question. How do people recognize that you've been with Jesus? How is the Holy Spirit wanting to work in your life to reach the people around you? This is where we begin to ask the questions, right? I, I can't do that. How, how, God, would you possibly do that? I'm weak. I don't know the right words. I came up with all, thing, all kinds of things. But guess what? It's not about us. That's this whole point. This is about God. And how he wants to work in your life and through your life. And the people around you recognize you've been with Jesus when they see that in a world that is always beating them up, you're on their side because God loves them. And they see the love that you've received from God that flows through you and goes to them. And when people see you and see your weakness, which, by the way, they do, <laughs> yet they see something amazing happening even among that weakness, they recognize that you've been with Jesus. They see his strength. A man had two pots that he kept on a pole and he would walk from his house to the stream and he would fill up the two pots and carry them back to his house. One of the pots was perfect and by the time he got to the house it was completely full. The other pot was cracked and by the time he got to the house it was only half full. The, the perfect pot was very proud of the job that it did the crackpot was always feeling ashamed because of his weakness, his imperfection. And he was kind of miserable and depressed because he, he just realized that he was only able to accomplish half of what he had been made for. And one day at the stream, he, he just said, the crackpot said to the man, I, I just want to apologize. I feel so bad. And the man said, why are you apologizing? What are you ashamed of? He said, well, I only deliver half of my load because of this crack that's in me. and I feel bad that you aren't able to have everything that you need. And you only get half the value for your efforts. And the man said, I want you to, to notice something. When we walk back up to the house, I want you to look at the path and see if there's anything you notice about it. So they walked up to the house. When they got there, the man said, did you notice anything about the path? And the cracked pot said, yeah, I noticed that there were flowers on one side going all the way from the stream up to the house. And the man said, that's right. You know why? He said, I, I know your weakness. And because of that, I took flower seeds and I planted them all along the side that you're always carried on. 
And all the way up to the house, every day for two years, you've been watering those seeds. And the beautiful flowers that exist on our table are because of you. You see, you bring beauty to your life, to our lives, because I know how to use your weakness. When you allow God to meet you in your weakness, He is strong in you. And people will see the change in you and maybe the boldness and the strength that He brings. So we have to open our hearts to what He wants to do right now. It's not about us or trying to be strong or trying to be perfect when we're not. It's about God's strength working in spite of our weakness. And when we allow that to happen, people are amazed and they recognize that we've been with Jesus. Jesus, who is the hope when every situation that seems hopeless seems just like that. There's nothing that can be done and Jesus enters. Jesus, who is the solid rock when everything is shifting. Jesus, who is the one who puts the pieces of our lives back together when they've been broken. Jesus, who is the one who works powerfully in our weakness. Jesus, who is the grace of God in the flesh. Jesus, who is greater than any need and every need that we have. Jesus, the one that we praise and honor right now. And we're going to stand and sing. And if you want to talk about... uh, something that's going on in your life, I encourage you to unpack whatever's going on in your life groups this week. But I also encourage you, if you want to pray with somebody, I'll be here in the front. Be happy to pray with you. We have other leaders who can come down, other people who love you who can come down and pray with you. But let's honor God and let him work in our weakness.